0: Snicket, Snicket. it. This week, Harper joins us for episode 16 of the Geek Rex Podcast, where we talk about the man who is the best at what he does, and what he does isn't very nice. We talk about the Wolverine and Hugh Jackman's latest foray into Logan's journey. There's all that and our favorite comics this week. Find it all here on episode 16 of the Geek Rex Podcast. guys hey (laughs) Uh, so how was how was the weekend
1: That's okay (laughs) that's pretty good it's kind of kind of busy but okay
0: right on right on yeah we we same for us we just came back from a cabin trip so that was that was a lot of fun uh hannah's birthday was uh on the 25th so we decided to take the um a trip up to the north georgia mountains with a bunch of friends of ours and that was a that was a good time um got to see some mountains and and um you know get high elevation and do some hiking and all that kind of good stuff uh shane did you have a good birthday on sunday um it's okay i spent the first half of my birthday just getting back from
2: atlanta because I, I find it funny though the one time i'm in atlanta this month is the time you're not in atlanta but um <laughs> it was it was okay um I think it was probably the most laid-back birthday I've ever had in my entire life. Um, the only really exciting thing was that uh, I'm uh, even though I turned 25, I, I'm totally six years old. Because every, uh, since my 19th birthday, every year I get a uh, cookie cake with some kind of superhero on it. <laughs> awesome. And this year was The Flash. And uh, my parents told me when I got back from Atlanta, they're like, Oh, this is going to la- have to be the last year we do that. Because it cost $47. And I was like, oh, which okay. is easily about twice as much as it usually costs. And I was like, okay, I don't know what caused them to raise their prices that much, but okay. And we get the cake, and instead of i I don't know how familiar you are with the Great American uh, Cookie Company. They're in, like, every mall in America. But um, we normally get the big round cookie cakes. And for some reason, they thought we wanted one of the giant uh, rectangle-shaped ones. So we have a huge cookie cake in the kitchen right now that's cut up, and it was... uh, with the flash symbol on it, but it's
0: just massive. So, <laughs> so that's why it was 40-something dollars. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so can you remember uh, how many, uh, from, from your previous years, what heroes you've had? <laughs> um, I don't know if I could remember the order, but I can probably
2: remember what they were. Okay. Uh, I know one year I had the Batman symbol. Uh-huh. Uh huh. One year I had Superman's symbol. Uh, one year I had Spider-Man's head. <laughs> uh, one year I had, uh, the entire cake covered in frosting and it ma- was made to look like, uh, Captain America's shield. Nice. Um, one year I had Michelangelo, uh, from the Ninja Turtles, not technically a superhero, but whatever. It's a comic book character. Oh, that's a superhero. Come on. Right. Um, I know there's one I'm forgetting, but I cannot remember it right now.
0: <laughs> That's so funny, man. Well, I I, I'm glad I'm glad you had a fun birthday. I'm sorry we missed you in Atlanta. That's fine. I got a chance to see some of your pictures though, and I'm glad you uh, took a picture of the elephant with the roll tide. (laughs) um, I was. Yeah, the elephants and the gorillas were the only ones that were really active at the zoo this weekend. So it was rainy and nasty outside. (laughs) Yeah, ridiculous. The uh, Harper, so were you busy working all weekend?
1: Yeah, yeah, just keeping busy, working a lot, editing, editing stuff.
0: Oh, all right. I hope, I hope you're editing oh, something exciting.
1: Uh, no, I wish.
0: <laughs> okay, so um, big weekend uh, for the superhero movie lover if you are a fan of the X-Men side of things. I, I can't say I, I am in a major way, but I did rush out before we went to the cabin to go see uh, Logan on his latest adventure. Uh, <laughs> I went to the uh, 10 o'clock showing of The Wolverine, Got a chance to take that movie in, and uh, you know, I formed some thoughts, wrote a review of it the next day, and kind of got that up before we went out of town. But uh, I was, you know, I've been looking forward to chatting with you guys about it. One because I know Shane hates Wolverine. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I know he hates Wolverine, but uh, Harper, I, I'm, 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 your your feelings are a little more mysterious to me. So <laughs> Harper, talk to me for a second, man. Let me, let me focus on you. Uh, sure. the, the character of Wolverine, are you a fan at all, or what?
1: I wouldn't say I'm like a super fan, but I, I'm—I definitely I read a lot of the X-Men books, and I, I don't have the general hatred for Wolverine that a lot of comics people do. I, I think he's a pretty interesting character. So I mean, I—I—I I, I, I thought he's been okay in the past X-Men movies. Those aren't my favorite movies, um, but as a character, I, I like Wolverine. All right.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. All right, Shane. Tell me why you don't like Wolverine. <laughs> um, it's trying to boil that down into
2: a talking point um (laughs) it's more just a general annoyance with him i guess i've never i was never a fan with him as a kid like everybody as a kid their favorite was always wolverine and stuff um i think it's partly an overexposure thing uh he's on every single x-men team and i mean they're definitely i'm not going to act like wolverine has never been written well because obviously he has his defining arcs and uh I'm not going to act like I didn't enjoy Old Man Logan at all, um, but it's just a character that's never gotten to me. Um, it's I've never had any problems with Hugh Jackman's performance or anything like that in the previous films, as flawed as some several of those previous films are. Hmm. Um, it's never been any th- problem with him. It's just more just Wolverine just never jives with me, and he's never been somebody I've been interested in. I really just don't care about him at all.
1: He, and. He's when got I, a- Ahead, I was gonna go say, he's he's got a little bit of that Superman syndrome where he's kind of brought in it, it, like in a Justice League scenario he's brought in as the badass all the time as kind of a yeah. you know plot device in a lot of aspects and, I can and see it's really that.
2: yeah and it's really frustrating when there are other X Men characters that I've really responded to and they get just kind of shafted for yeah. a focus on Wolverine and uh, that's really my only problem with the films is that they focus too much on Wolverine um, I think we had every we said everything we could with that character in the first two X Men movies. But um, uh, it's just it's just a, a character that I've never grabbed onto that much, and he just kind of over the years has just gotten more and more on my nerves.
0: No, that's fair. I, I I've never been a fan of the character either. I do think uh, since Hugh Jackman took over the role in the films, my appreciation has grown a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that always bugged me as a comic reader as a kid was, you know, you, you had this. <laughs> Uh, Logan is basically a hairy, short guy, right? Yep. And there's nothing wrong with being a hairy, short guy. Like, I'm when just he,
2: thinking of a... Ni- whenever I think Wolverine, I think of that 90s image of Wolverine, just yeah. bare-chested, hairy guy screaming all the time.
0: Right, right. But so you have this hairy, short guy who's got a bad temper, probably doesn't smell all that good, has really stupid hair, and yep. Jean Grey can't seem to pull herself away from him. I, I never found that terribly believable uh, <laughs> from, from a character perspective on Jean Gray's side. but So that, that kind of thing always bugged me as a kid. And it wasn't until I got a little older and I got a chance to see Hugh Jackman perform the character in a much more compelling fashion in a much more believable fashion, even though he still has the stupid hair yep. uh, for the first couple of X-Men movies. First Although I'd th- rather him have the stupid hair than the stupid costume.
1: <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs>
0: the, the hair is, is just dreadful in those early movies, especially. But I started to glom onto the character a little more, and I did. then I finally read the Miller-Claremont miniseries, which is really quite fabulous. So my opinion of Wolverine has changed over the years a bit, I think Grant Morrison wrote him very well during his new X Men run, and that made me like him a little more. Uh, I also really enjoyed him as a part of Uncanny X Force with Rick Remender. So uh, there have been things over the years that have made me come to appreciate the character more than I would have 15 years ago when I couldn't stand Wolverine and my favorite X Man was Colossus. So <laughs> I mean, there's you know it's just just things have changed. Um, obviously with the film I had very low expectations just to sort of pivot into uh, the actual movie. Having yeah. seen X-Men Origins Wolverine and we watched it recently to show to, so I could show it to Hannah so she could see how awful that movie really is. Uh I I really didn't I didn't have a lot a lot of high hopes for the movie, let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um yeah. I'll go ahead and start with my thoughts since my thoughts are already fairly public. I went in not expecting much, came out fairly surprised. And I actually felt like I was in bizarro land because everyone that came with me to the film hated it. (laughs) And Mm. my feelings were you know, if it wasn't for that last 20 minutes of that movie, (laughs) it might actually have been my favorite movie of the summer. And I know that's a little bizarre to hear because I would have never thought that about a Wolverine movie. But I really found myself digging it, and that it comes from a number of different uh, ideas, one being the fact that it is such a personal journey. I was a little surprised mm-hmm. by the elements that there you know, there wasn't an apocalyptic threat. And there was no massive scale destruction like you would see in you know some of the other big summer movies this year. And I'm not even talking about just superhero movies. I'm talking about all of the more dour films that came out over the course of the past couple months. So I, I thought it was sort of a breath of fresh air. Plus, I really enjoyed the Japanese setting. And I thought that that gave it a nice exotic flair as well. And the story itself just worked for me. Uh, so I, it was just it was something that I enjoyed. I liked the samurai meets western kind of feel of it all, and I thought it did a pretty capable job—not a perfect job, but a capable job of adapting the Claremont Miller story from uh, you know back in the '80s. I liked it quite a bit, actually. Uh, but like I said, that's what the caveat of the last 20 minutes are, are terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, let me ask you, going in reverse order, Shane, your thoughts, sir? Um it's it's hard for me to say I had a lukewarm reaction
2: to it because that would imply I at least had like a ton, at least somewhat positive meaning for it. And I, I guess I was positive about it in general, but it really just didn't do anything for me, which I guess considering my disdain for the character is probably a good thing that it didn't do anything for me. Um, it didn't really change my thoughts on the character, but I also didn't leave like uh, hating him more. Um, it was certainly better than... X-Men Origins Wolverine, which I <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody on here is going to come out and say, oh, I I, I absolutely love that movie. But um, And we can talk about this a little bit more as we go on, but I think it does a I agree that it does a better job of being a solo film and a much more personal film, where X-Men Origins Wolverine felt more of a uh, X-Men film. And um, it was good. I liked the more personal flair to it. I'm not a huge fan of martial arts movies, so that tone of it and that what it picked from that sort of genre didn't really do anything for me just because I, I went in not really liking those types of movies anyway. But I was entertained. Um, I wouldn't say that last 20 minutes is horrible, but it is the part that had me groaning more than anything else throughout the movie. And it felt the most like X-Men Origins Wolverine out of anything else in the movie. But I think it did a good job of being its own solo movie and Fox finally making a solo movie actually feel like a solo movie. And, uh... I think it had a lot more of an indie flair to it than any of the other X-Men movies have. But, um, I don't know. It was just, it was good.
0: Um, just not something that I had a strong reaction to either way. Sure. And, Harper, round this out, man, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about it between everybody.
1: Sure. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about it, and when I see kind of superhero movies, when I go out and see them, most of the time I'm kind of judging those on a different scale than I would if I go see – you know, just a, a regular movie, um, and and that's because kind of, to me, if you watch like one of the Marvel Studios movies or something, and if you took those recognizable characters out, the movie would be far less interesting in most cases, and those are kind of, kind of cookie cutter a little bit, and I felt like the original X-Men movies were very much kind of fit that mold, and this one, for me, for the most part, totally broke out of that, uh, so I really enjoyed it, because it the first time this felt like I was seeing Wolverine as a a movie movie and not like mm-hmm. a comic adaptation you know what i mean um you know i I felt like I was enjoying it on a whole different level up up until that last part <laughs> like like we've kind of talked about like the uh the boss battle as <laughs> as it's being called um was very typical and and like the like the parts I liked the least about the original x men movies but Everything up until that point was very interesting and and gave a lot of thought and and put in a lot of character work that was really kind of fascinating, made you think he was a much more interesting character than before. Um, And yeah, I really I I would say even with the the flaws in the last section, I, I really enjoyed it overall a whole lot better than I was expecting for sure.
0: Yeah, let, let's, let's dig into that part that we really don't like since we just keep hinting at it, and uh, I think it's important to note why we don't like it so much. So, um, yeah, they're, they're, it seems like the, the film sort of devolves after a while, and it kind of goes from this very interesting Yakuza gangster kind of story into something that looks like it came out of X-Men Origins Wolverine. I have made yeah. the point a few times on Twitter that if you had told me a completely different director and writer had made that last little bit of Wolverine, I would totally believe you.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: If it, it felt like nothing that came before. The silver samurai suit, it looked like it walked out, it was like a reject from Robocop 2 or something. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was just absolutely awful, with even bad CGI to boot. I yeah. mean, it looked cheap.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so, I mean, I'm a little, I was a little surprised... That the film went there and went in such a safe. We have to have a big action end kind of direction when it, a more subtle direction might have been more appropriate. Uh, it was almost like they were hedging their bets for the audiences to think, "Oh God, we got to get some excitement going in this movie, otherwise, you know, we're going to lose them all."
1: Yeah, I, I like the very very end, uh, getting on the plane with uh, with Eureka. Uh, I thought was that was interesting end to it, but the whole final fight. It was kind of ludicrous, and I mean, I was kind of, I was more or less fine with the Silver Samurai stuff. That was okay, but the Viper was. Yes. They, if they had taken Viper out of the movie, I would have bumped the whole movie up a whole letter grade. <laughs> like yep. that was that was the biggest yep. problem by far.
2: Yeah, I think she was a very non-threatening villain, and they were trying to make her look a lot more threatening. And I was, I thought she was cheesy before, but she became even
1: worse when she started hissing at everyone. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, it just felt like they, you know, some executive is like, uh, oh, this movie doesn't have enough mutants in it. Let's just throw one more mutant in there. Like she she just served no purpose. And she was But that's
2: what made me respect terrible. the film on a certain level is because it wasn't that just orgy of mutants that X-Men Origins right. Wolverine
1: was.
0: Yeah yeah I mean it, it, it matter of fact, one of the things I liked best about this movie is that they don't even mention the human mutant conflict any right and that you which know, they also don't establish how long it's been since the third uh, X men movie, so that could be why sure I mean but I think that that human mutant conflict stuff is really exhausting after a while I mean yeah. I know that that's the thing in which x men constantly rotates on when they're not out in space or something, but it after you know in terms of a visual And thematic response on film, it's just not as interesting. I mean, you you get enough of that. By the time you have this third movie where they're trying to create a cure for being a mutant, I've had enough of it already. And it looks like, you know, for the next X-Men film, they're going right back to that material. So, I mean, I guess... We do at least get zone.
2: Sentinels this time.
0: Well, sure, yeah. sure. But it's just nice to get a respite from it. Like, I, I I said in my review, I was like, man, I understand now why Wolverine wants a damn vacation up in Alaska, <laughs> in Japan. So he wants to get away from all this shit. But um, I w- that was something that I really appreciated. And I will say to Viper, yeah, horrible. I mean, she was like Poison Ivy level bad. Uh, it was poorly performed, poorly directed, and frankly, pretty poorly motivated. Like I don't even know what I didn't even know what her plot was until the last right. couple minutes of the film. I was right. like, what well, what and that's, the, that was her? the same thing with the Silver Samurai thing as well. I mean, you have that
2: brief little line at the funeral scene about the Silver Samurai, but then you have no mention until we see this blueprint and we get this throwaway throwaway line about him. Getting a bunch of adamantium that he's building a giant robot somewhere. So
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was just like the uh, the wrong climax. It wasn't anticlimactic, but it was not the climax for this movie.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. It wasn't. The, it was like they filmed a completely different movie that went with this climax, but then they went back and changed it.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that's why I th- I just think some subtlety would have been nicer, like a much quieter ending. I mean, the 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 ending of the Miller uh you know Cl- Claremont book was the way to go here. I mean, I don't want to see Wolverine get married or anything, but I I definitely would have been much more interested in something that was a little sadder and more tragic maybe. And this just had none of that. It was all very pat and happy and it felt just unearned by the end for what we had building up with some amazing chemistry between Logan and both of his, not only his sidekick, but his love interest. Um, I will say I rolled my eyes a little bit when he hooked up with Mariko Mm-hmm. And that, that was like, a love story I didn't buy. Yeah, it was a little put, a little bit forced, and um, I, I it might be, it might be the worst love story of all these superhero movies. Uh, oh, I don't know. There's summer. still Thor. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, just this, summer, <laughs> this summer. Okay. Um, no, no, nothing will ever top Thor, but um, it
2: was, it was just very. I felt it was very hypocritical to have that sudden love story between them. And then once Wolverine gets back into civilization, he's throwing her fiancé out a window for being with two other women. Right. It's like, you, you, it's like you just cheated, or at least it was implied that you uh, you helped her cheat on him, hmm. but suddenly he's the bad guy for being with two girls? That's the limit there? Well, so.
1: he also was trying to kill her.
2: <laughs> well, true, but it, when he walks into that scene, he's like, oh, you're, you're with... He says something to the effect of getting onto her yeah. over that, and it's just like, why are you doing this when you
0: just did the same thing
2: with his fiance?
0: Right. Now I I noticed the hypocrisy there too, and that was as soon as that line was said, I was like, wait a second, <laughs> wait, what? Who, did yeah, you sleep it, with it was, was a girl? love story I didn't
2: buy, but I will agree with you that they did have good chemistry. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, and and apparently that's the first time that that actress has ever been on film, so. Uh-huh. I was really impressed. Um, I mean, that may or may not be fully true, but uh, she's, I think it was her feature film debut. So um, I will say that I enjoyed pretty much 80% of that movie, though. And the one thing that i I, I, I do kind of wish they did differently, if I could have sat there and put my – let me put my director's hat and screenwriter's hat on – And sort of make a couple of armchair changes. I wish that the film actually was not connected to X-Men 3 or X-Men The Last Stand the way it was. So you would have taken out the Jean Grey stuff? Well, I would have actually set the film back in the 80s, too. I mean, one of the things about Logan is that... He's long-lived enough that he's lived through a lot of different ages, as X-Men Origins Wolverine has shown us. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we don't really get a sense of his personal growth ever. Um, He's basically always an angry guy that's on the verge of busting out into rage. And Hannah pointed out to me, and I thought this was a good point... Uh, you know if you've lived a hundred years or a hundred and fifty years or however long he's been around since at least you know pre civil war days, wouldn't you be a little wiser and <laughs> wouldn't you be as smart as like Professor Xavier at some point but basically he's constantly got adolescent style emotions and he's like hung up on a woman that he you know killed because she was killing a lot of people. And to me, you would think a guy that old would be beyond it after a while. So I would be would have been much more interested in a movie that takes place in that Frank Miller style 1980s, and you know, basically a big 80s kung fu style film that was very stylized, kind of like X Men First Class. It still could have had the connections to the X Men universe, but. Is there really any value in connecting it to X-Men The Last Stand the way they did? Uh, I I mean, maybe you guys disagree, though. Um, Other
2: than that, seeing after the credits, I really don't know. And you kind of have his emotional arc with Jean Grey.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the X-Men 3 is awful as it is, totally. Uh, It puts him in a place where he's kind of you know, trying to get away from everything, which right. puts him in a I place agree. that he can do a story just by himself. So I think that...
2: And yeah, and I think if yeah, I think if it was in the 80s, like a more direct sequel to X-Men Origins Wolverine, it would have had
0: to have been a movie more about him figuring out who he was. And yeah. we've already seen that. Right. Much. Well, well, I'm not interested in a direct sequel to X-Men Origins Wolverine. I mean, I'm still interested in a standalone story. The, I mean, the idea of a guy being an immortal for 100 years or whatever is pretty self-contained. But I just... I'm not sure I caught all the value of it being a direct sequel because all of this it may, may get wiped away anyway based on that post-credits scene. <laughs> I mean, who, yeah. who the hell knows what's about to happen because somehow Professor X is still alive and somehow uh, you know Magneto has his powers back. And well, we knew the, both of those things by the end of Last Stand. Which, well, you know, how, how does Professor Xavier look the way he looks? I mean, That's true, too. He jumped into some dude's body that looks nothing like him, right? Right. I mean, I don't, I can't remember. It, it's been... <laughs> no, you're right. It was, it was like this throwaway scene where they shot some guy in a coma and it ended up being
2: that was who he jumped into.
0: In terms of the overall superhero landscape and sort of what they're building into X-Men, I mean, is this a film that you think serves, like, the building universe of this X-Men franchise? I mean, it, it seems like this is sort of their opening shot into right. creating, like, some sort of streamlined X-Men thing that connects... The early X Men movies, with X Men First Class, and uh, do, do you think this is a valuable, a valuable connection between those movies? <laughs> not,
1: not necessarily that it starts something new, because it doesn't really add much to the broader universe except to Wolverine. But uh, it's kind of proof that it's possible to get past two incredibly awful movies and without just rebooting. And just I mean, in that sense, I think it kind of gives a give them a place to start over and without actually rebooting. Yeah.
2: I think that last scene or the scene after the credits, whatever you want to call it, is uh, what is really the only uniting element. But I think it's a nice sign that, oh, hey, I mean, they never will, but it's a nice sign that, oh, hey, we can make a solo movie that is completely self-contained. It's completely its own film, but it's still a part of this larger universe and we can still establish that connection. I think that
0: was something that I really appreciated that Fox is trying to do here. We've gotten... We've gotten three superhero movies this summer, but from the big two, we've we've gotten three movies that not only sort of touch upon the major elements of each of their universes, but you know from the mutant side of things to the Avengers to um, you know DC's attempts to build a new universe, and it's, it's three different directions from three different film companies, and I'm kind of curious. In terms of the films, um, do we happen to have a preference for any of them? I mean, Harper, I've never even talked to you about Man of Steel, so I have no idea what, what you feel about that movie. But, um, I, I, w- I really want to take the, ch- the opportunity to compare and contrast the movies a little bit, and see what we thought were the most more successful ones from a couple of different standpoints. So, from actual character fidelity, and oh, their overall success as a movie for that character, you've got Iron Man three, which is sort of the start of Phase two for Marvel, Marvel's universe. You've got Man of Steel, which is the beginning, the absolute beginning of the DC movie universe. Let's go ahead and make that clear right now. Um, and then you've got the you know X Men, uh, excuse me, the Wolverine, which is the new pivot for the X Men movie universe. So in terms of character fidelity and fidelity to the source material, which do we think was the most successful from a standpoint of, yeah, this, this is the kind of version of this character I've wanted to see on the screen for a long time. Shane, go first.
2: Oh God. Um, <laughs> that's really hard. Um, especially with Wolverine, it's hard for me to say what version I've wanted to see on the screen before. I think one where he's not on the screen is what I've wanted to see. Before. <laughs> um, I kind of want to pass for a second because let let, let me think about it for a second because I'm leaning towards man of steel, but let me, let me hear what y'all have to say and I'll gather my thoughts. Sure.
0: Harper, go for it, man.
1: I think character wise uh, this is kind of a shock to hear myself say this, but I would say probably iron man. Um, That was sort of built up on things that were from the previous movies and from Avengers in kind of a meaningful way for the character. And uh, although I thought the ending left us, kind of at the same spot we always are where he's like oh let's destroy the suits or you know i have have to go and think about this again um uh besides that i thought that was that stuck really true to the character whereas man of steel as much as i loved it i really loved it a lot i thought there was almost no character development whatsoever for superman i have no sense of what kind of person he is at all sure sure. um and this as i i i loved wolverine a lot too but um like we said, it's it's hard to even judge it in that sense because he's been around for – this this version of this character has been around for so long. Um, I think it's a step in the right direction for sure, but it's – I wouldn't say it was the best, uh, you know, the best version of that character compared to the other two movies. Right,
0: right. Um, I, I, I would agree with you. I think that we – I think Man of Steel at a little bit of a disadvantage anyway because – I think with Robert Downey Jr. and Hugh Jackman, you've got Mm -hmm. two of the better realized performances and performers uh, that have ever sort of jumped into superhero films anyway. Uh, And they've had longer to get used to their roles as well. Yeah, Right, right. So I I feel like Henry Cavill, you know, give or take whatever qualms you might have with the script, I I think he's just at a complete disadvantage performance-wise. You know, it's not exactly Christian Bale-level stuff. So... Mm -hmm he uh you know but so between both Hugh Jackman and Robert Downey I mean you've got two guys that help sort of spurn two different peaks in superhero films I mean with Hugh Jackman he came on to the first X-Men film which was sort of the first like launch of, mm-hmm. of let's see a lot of superhero cinema come come to fruition and then Robert Downey came in as Iron Man and that was sort of the next launch into okay shared universe building uh, that was the next thing for comic book films before they started hitting their real low points in Spider-Man 3. And I think that's pretty well established that, that was... Spider-Man 3 is before Iron Man. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what, I, <laughs> okay. that's what I'm saying. Okay. Robert Downey Jr. is right after Iron, uh, Spider-Man 3. I mean, it was like he was the next... It was the thing that saved superhero films to an extent right, before right. Dark yeah. Knight and all that. So, Because uh, before then, I mean, we were starting to experience some real down points. Yep. So... I would say Iron Man 3 is probably still the more successful one because it feels more like a comic book. It feels Mm -hmm. more like, uh, you know, not that I read a lot of Iron Man comics because I don't, but (laughs) it feels like what I would want an Iron Man comic to be like, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly from its villain twists and the like. Um, you know, it'd be, in terms of being more successful as a movie, though, I don't know. I mean, it's let's kind of jump to that question, then. Between those three movies, um, which do you think makes for the more enjoyable watch? Not only as a standalone film, but also just as a film in general. And, Shane, I bet you can answer this one.
2: Okay, well, let me touch on the character real quick. Okay. Um,
0: because
2: kind of thinking about it, and I think I would kind of, my first thought, but I was kind of just at a loss to how to form these thoughts. But my first thought was that Iron Man was probably the most true to the character. And I've said this probably about a billion times on this show, but uh, that was the more intimate film. Well, that's hard to say because Wolverine was a very intimate film, but Iron Man three for how epic in scope it was, it was still a very intimate story. And I felt we got a lot more out of the character. I think, I think he found out more about himself than really wolverine did in his story even though it was a very intimate story really all wolverine came away with at the very end of it was oh well these powers mean something and i want to be a superhero again and all really superman came away with in man of steel as much as i enjoyed henry cavill's performance especially a lot of the subtlety in his uh, facial expressions uh was that uh he's just he's a superhero and he's going to have to find figure his way out in the world. Like he didn't really, we didn't, re- he didn't really learn much about himself as a character, except where he came from. And so I think, uh, Iron Man is really the one that makes a journey. So in terms of standalone film, then, um, to kind of reiterate Harper's words, I never thought I would be saying this, but, uh, mm-hmm. I think the Wolverine works the best as a standalone film. Oh my God! Write it down. <laughs> Mark this occasion. <laughs> um, Man, I mean, Man of Steel—it's an origin story, and so even though we all all know Superman, it's very much so a standalone film. Um, it's kind of hard to give Iron Man that because it's so tethered to being the third part of this trilogy, and it's so tethered to the Avengers, and it's so tethered to the first Iron Man movie that it can't be a standalone film. Um, you might disagree with me on that, but yeah, I think Wolverine succeeds the most at being a solo film. That was the thing I really took away walking into the theater was Fox really nailed how to do a solo film.
0: Yeah. Um, I, you, you brought that up on Facebook actually. And, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting because I, I, just don't, what defines a solo film in the first place? I mean, to after, because you, one of the things you said was you, you, they took something out of the Marvel playbook. Is that what you said yeah. about, uh, about. Well, it was more just that, uh, because X-Men Origins Wolverine, they call it a
2: standalone film because it, they call it a Wolverine movie, and it's supposed to be a standalone film, but it didn't really feel like one. It just felt like another excuse to do an X-Men movie, but since it, it's a little bit more focused on Wolverine than the other ones, we can call it a Wolverine movie. Right. But he was on, like, two different teams at one point in that movie, even though one, one of the teams is just him and Gambit, a very poorly realized Gambit. But um, it, it didn't really feel like a standalone movie, so I'm thinking more a movie that kind of just... Builds on that character and then builds on the universe. I guess is why why I felt like
0: it was more of Marvel's playbook and their style. Sure, sure. I I guess, I guess the thing that I I, I I always sort of joke I was joking with you about on Facebook was that I'm right. I'm not sure that Marvel has made a solo movie yet. It feels like every, I'd argue uh, Iron Man. was. Uh, sure. It just feels like every is an advertisement for the next movie, you know, and, uh. <laughs> and one big extended trailer. But um, uh, yeah, all right, So Harper. In terms of your overall satisfaction with each movie, which one on that level do you think makes it more successful?
1: I'd I'd probably go with Man of Steel on that level because like I was saying about kind of judge movies on different scales, Man of Steel is the one that I feel like the most, if I took out the name Superman and watched it, I still would have really enjoyed it. Um, Mm -hmm. With with Iron Man and Wolverine, without those characters and all that backstory that I know about them, I would be much less interested. Um, that's fair. I think Man of Steel stood on its own. It, it had had a lot of flaws, as um, I hate to say as much as I loved it, um, but it it definitely stands alone as, as a, a movie, an interesting movie that just happens to be about Superman.
2: I can agree with that, because I don't think, uh, as I mentioned, I'm not a martial arts movie person by any stretch of the imagination, so if you took Wolverine out of that movie, I really don't think I
0: ever would have saw it. Sure. Right. Sure, I'm getting more and more wishy-washy about which ones I like better. <laughs> I'm, at, well, I'm having I'm struggling because I feel like each movie had its own individual flaws that yeah. would have kept yeah. it from being a great film. To I me, mean, I don't think any of them are great movies. I think they're yeah. all good. They're all good. They're solid. You know, they have little like little details that make me want to like not watch them again necessarily. But I, I'll, I'm looking forward to trying to rewatch them, you know, on DVD at some point. But Um, you know, from an Iron Man side of things, I thought the dialogue was crisp. I thought it was very Mm -hmm. funny. I thought it, like I said in the last podcast, I thought it was the brightest of all the summer movies that have come out this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Certainly Mm -hmm. it felt like the most positive, the most optimistic, uh, up until Wolverine at least. And then, uh, you know, Man of Steel, I think had the best plotting of all of these movies. Like had the most memorable plot, most interesting, probably the most interesting nuances of acting from the entire cast. Um, not necessarily mm-hmm. its central mm-hmm. performer, but its whole cast was very solid. And then with the Wolverine, you've got good dialogue, you've got a pretty good plot actually. But mm-hmm. like, there there's some issues with character development that make the Wolverine a little bit of a tougher watch. Um, not necessarily w- better or worse than Man of Steel's areas of character development uh, with Kellel. but it's that final act. that make me kind of worried to ever watch that movie again, because then I'll start to think, oh God, here it comes. And then I'll start to find flaws in everything else too. And that may or may not be true. I'm not sure. So it's hard for me to judge which one's the best one, especially not having seen Iron Man in quite some time now. Um, I feel like I might watch Iron Man again in in about, I guess a month or whenever it comes out on DVD. And I'm going to say, wow, you know what? I was really hard to this movie. I think I like it a lot better now. Um, But, the one thing that makes Wolverine a little more interesting to me is that there's a lot of real human emotion tied to it. Yeah. And I, I, man of steel was a much colder movie. I, you know, it's hard for me to determine which one I like the best. I guess, I guess just from a technical standpoint and from a uh, platform. Are we talking what we like the best, or are we talking about what works best as a solo film? I'm talking about what works best altogether as a movie okay. at this point.
2: Because okay. um, I, mean, I don't know if I'd say Wolverine for that. Right. So. Oh,
0: sure, sure. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to say probably Man of Steel works best as both for me, but that is a really tight both because that no film really stands above the other between the three for me at this point. Um, As a solo film, I'd say Wolverine works
2: the best in that respect, but uh, in terms of all three, which works the best as a movie, I'd have to go with
0: Man of Steel. All right, my people. (laughs) I'm I'm not hearing enough of this out in the world right now.
1: This
0: (laughs) this, this is good. Um, So each of these films had universe-building prospects, okay? Yep. And they each sort of laid out their the future of their franchises a little bit. I mean, Iron Man 3 gave us sort of the post-Avengers landscape of the Marvel mm-hmm. U- movie universe. And Man of Steel, like I said uh, here at the outset of this discussion, it gave us the very initial kernel of whatever the DC Cinematic Universe is going to look like. Uh, and then, of course, we have this new X-Men rebooted thing. So... <laughs> I, I don't even know what to make of that yet I honestly, I don't know what Fox is doing really, they may be doing something very exciting where they may not do, do, do so where I guess where's your excitement the highest at this point, based on these actual looks at the future of each of these universes, should we judge this based on what the movies presented
2: to us, or what we know outside of them, because I would say both. Man of Steel, both. okay, because I would say Man of Steel presented very little information to us
0: okay, yeah uh, but, but, yeah, I said, do you want me
2: to start, or do you want Harper Shane, to start? Shane, go
0: first. Shane go first.
2: Okay. Um, uh, as I said, I think Man is still presented very little information as to its expanded universe. Um, little two-second cameos do not count as an expanded universe. I know Luther's there. I know Batman's there. I obviously know Batman's there after Comic-Con now. Um, and I don't think they sh- – I'm, I'm not saying they should have had a uh, post credit scene or anything like that, because I think that would have been too similar to what their competition's doing. But I think if they were wanting this to be the first foray into an expanded universe, they needed needed to make it a little bit more clear in the film itself than they did. They, I mean, the Comic-Con announcement was appreciated because it's like we had been saying, building up to Comic-Con, if they didn't say something, we weren't going to get anything. So it was appreciated as much problems as I do have with the announcement of Batman and Superman, which we can talk about a little bit later. But um, I would say probably that's... Uh, And Comic-Con is really a huge effector of this because going into... Before Comic-Con, I would say out of the three they're building on their universes, I would say Iron Man is the one that got me the most excited. And even just based on the movie itself, even though Iron Man didn't really have much leading into the Avengers sequel, it at least had enough to let me know it can step away from this big united universe but still feel like it's connected. And so Iron Man, as a movie building on its universe... Out, no news associated with, I think, Iron Man 3 got me the most excited. But then all of a sudden Wolverine steps in there, and that post credit scene kind of blew me away a little bit because I was so surprised by it. Um, I knew it was going to happen going in, but I, I just thought it was a good job. I was glad that they put something like that in there. And I'm starting to become really excited for Days of Future Past, but it could be just because it's the closest of all three.
1: Harper? Yeah. Uh I, I would agree. A Man of Steel, I, I could see it kind of set up something, obviously from the Batman announcement, but I, I know you guys have heard this a lot, but everybody's kind of saying it's like the Batman Begins of, of a new thing, and mm-hmm. looking at it that way makes me very excited, obviously, because I love Dark Knight to death. But um, I would say I would, I'm probably most excited about the X-Men universe, just for, just for the fact that uh, First Class was one of my favorite movies that came yep. out uh, that year. I love that movie to death and uh, and I thought Wolverine was a really really good step in the right direction. So I think they could do something really interesting next. So that that's probably what I'm most excited about.
0: See, I have a hard time with the X-Men one and it's mainly because I don't have a good sense of what they're actually doing and what they're going to, where they're going to go in the future here because they have two very distinct casts. Mm-hmm. Yep. And there's this indeterminate amount of time between them. I mean, we know that the next that the the, the first class cast is going to be in the 1970s in this next movie, right? So, right. but we don't really know what the time frame is for the future cast, and we don't really and there's there, there's just a lot of question marks around, like you know, I don't know how did Magneto get his powers back? How is Charles back in his human body yet? How is Cyclops still dead? <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there 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 are some issues that I have continuity-wise that are that I'm worried are not going to be answered or are going to be hand waved away by Brian Singer. He has a, a tendency to do that. If you ever see Superman Returns, I mean, he just sort yeah. of hand waves away anything that he doesn't care for. So I'm a little nervous that the things that are going to stick out in my craw a little bit from X Men Two, like beasts changing from human to <laughs> furry at various points in time, uh, you mm-hmm. know, things like that are gonna are just going to stick out and bother me because I'm thinking, though, no, these aren't complete experiences, and I, I'm just not so sure that. I have a lot of confidence in what they're doing for Days of Future Past, though I think the idea is very, very cool. Um, I'm also not very happy that they're bringing back some of the people from First Class who I can't stand, but that's a whole nother, uh, whole nother story. <laughs> if I have to look at Dude Bro Havoc for more than, like, ten minutes mm. this movie, I'm going to go nuts. Um, I think just looking at him is about the only thing I enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shane. Um, anyway, the... Um, the Man of Steel side of things, I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it yet. It's 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 a nice start, and I'm glad that at least they're acknowledging this is what we're doing. I don't know, though, I mean, how how this universe is really going to take shape because we don't yep. know what the plan is. I mean, yeah. I mean, we at least know Days of Future Past is going to... That's be- giving them enough credit to say that there is a plan. Right. I mean, I hope there is. I hope that means that we'll see a Flash movie and a Justice League movie, but I don't know at this point. So I, I don't feel like there's a, a solid blueprint in place. Though, if there is and it's a big secret, well, cool. I'm glad they kept it away from us long enough. Yeah. To, you know, they did a nice job hiding it all. But... I can
2: understand that desire for a sense of security, because as exciting as the prospect of Days of Future Past is, it is a little uh, scary <laughs> that it could easily blow up in their face, at least with the Avengers. There's a little bit of familiarity, because, I mean, Joss Whedon's coming back to write and direct it, and wh- wh- however you felt about Avengers, you know you're probably going to get a similar product, and yeah. there's that kind of worry with those with Batman, Superman, and with... Uh, Days of Future Past as well, but I think with them there's a lot more mystery than there is with Avengers: Age of Ultron.
0: Right. I mean, well, since Thor and Captain America, things have been streamlined for uh, for, mm-hmm. for the for the movie universe on the Marvel side of things, and they've all been lined up because they have two guys in Joss Whedon and Kevin Feige, uh, Feige who are overseeing everything to make sure it all leads into the next Avengers movie, you know, and that wasn't the case before that. So we got movies like Iron Man two, that were much more directionless and didn't quite have a unified feel. Mm -hmm. And I'm a little nervous that that's where one of these other two universes are heading. Um, Perhaps Brian Singer and Mark Millar have, you know, aces up their sleeves that I'm not aware of on the Fox side of things. But with DC Warner Brothers, I mean, there's nobody in charge. I mean, it's like right. Zack Snyder direct another movie, David Goyer, write it, you know. And yes. I, I, yeah, I, I just I don't I don't have confidence in that yet. I hope, right. I'm hoping that it'll be good. I I, 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 I think they need a Kevin Feige. I don't want it to be Christopher Nolan, but I
2: do think they need. I, I agree. They need a man in charge.
1: See, the problem with that, I, I, as much as I agree with that, that it, they would could benefit from that. I worry that if that happened, then we would have a You know, a a copy of the of the Marvel movies where all the movies are almost exactly the same.
2: (laughs) The one advantage, I think the one distinct advantage DC would have is DC being under Warner Brothers. They have all of their characters and that's something Marvel can't boast.
0: Yeah, right. Marvel's missing, like, a, th- a half their universe, basically. Because yeah, a big chunk. No Spider-Man, no mutants. I mean, that's... No mutants, no Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah. no Fantastic no Four Spider-Man. either, yeah. Um, I mean, that that's a big issue. But, I, Harper, you do bring up a great point, and I think that's something that's worth note, is that, yeah, all the Marvel movies have the exact same feel, and from a product standpoint, that's very good. From a film lover standpoint, that's not necessarily the best thing. Yeah. Um, I've, I've been hopeful that they would go more for an auteur kind of vision. For the DC side of things, but I'm sure that's that's a damn fool's errand to assume that they're gonna. <laughs> they make
2: want it. money. They don't care about uh, art,
0: artistic integrity. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, I don't exactly see like Nicholas Winding Refn taking over Flash anytime soon. You know, but <laughs> I, I would love for that to happen. I, I
2: would argue, though. Uh, I think your argument stands with Marvel for Phase One, and uh, to a certain extent, Iron Man Three. But I would say let's wait and see how uh, the rest of Phase 2 shapes out because it seems like at least the remaining movies in Phase 2 are trying to be a little bit different.
1: Maybe. It could be. I mean, I hope so.
0: Maybe. I mean, I guess we have November to find out about Thor the Dark World, right? Is that when that comes out? So we've got that, and then we've got... Captain America footage sounded awesome. Yeah, Captain America and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I mean, at this point, Marvel's still King of the Hill, I mean, because they, they have yet to be dethroned. But there certainly are a couple of challengers knocking on their door, and... You know, we'll we'll kind of see how it all shakes out. And even Sony's got its own little universe building So, <laughs> yeah. and so That's let awesome. me let me ask you this, guys. My grades out there. I gave the movie a B. Um, what would y'all give it, Wolverine? I mean,
1: I, I'd probably I'd probably go with a B as well. I, I would have gone with an A if that last if Viper had been out of the movie, <laughs> and the last section had been a little more fitting. So. Yeah.
2: Uh, I'm wa- I'm wavering right now just because I just saw the movie six hours ago. So um, I'm wavering between a C-plus and a B-minus, uh, probably more towards the B-minus end.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, so that, that's the verdict on the Wolverine, folks. And with that, we're going to move ahead to our news section. <laughs> Yay. Um, you can kind of tell Comic-Con's
2: over because news is really winding down <laughs> this week. Um and I don't think news will really pick up again and probably till end of the year. Um, so we had uh, something interesting to come up today, and I didn't really get a chance to take a look at it until I got home from seeing Wolverine. Uh, Kyle, you told me you didn't check it out, but uh, the footage from the Amazing Spider-Man 2 trailer that was shown at Comic-Con leaked. Uh, Harper, did you see it by any chance?
1: No, I hadn't heard about that yet.
2: Okay, well, whatever trailer they had shown, which I did see, um, it was a very... Distant view of it. So it was kind of like watching. It was like watching a, tr- a trailer on someone's iPhone screen, but you're sitting like 10 feet behind them. <laughs> um, so that's what it felt like for me. But the sound was perfectly clear. Um, and it was a decent enough trailer. Um, I would say it, it's probably going to end up being, at least much of the footage that was used in that trailer is going to end up being in the first theatrical trailer for Amazing Spider Man 2. So I don't want to say too much about what's actually in it. But I will say, and Kyle, this is not going to comfort you by any means. But it does feel like it's going to be a very true sequel in a lot of means to Amazing Spider-Man, and it feels a lot like that
0: movie. Oh no! <laughs> oh.
2: But it, at least, uh, at least, it doesn't look worse so well
0: i guess consistency is a hallmark but when it's crap and you stay crap it's still crap so
2: <laughs> we do at least get a joking spider-man again so that's good well, all
0: right <laughs> i guess whatever if
2: that's your if that's your only selling point for a spider-man movie then i guess you're good to go <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. harper did you like that spider-man movie
1: uh, i liked it okay I, I didn't think it was great i i I like Andrew Garfield as an actor and a yep. lot of other things, but and in, in Spider-Man, I kind of, I kind of felt like he was annoying. <laughs> like <laughs> I felt, I felt like an old man that would have yelled at him to get off my lawn when I was watching. <laughs> <the movie. laughs> so I don't know. I'm, 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 I'll, I'll go see the sequel for sure, but I'm not all that excited about it. So yeah, it's, the only,
2: the only thing from the trailer that I really wanted to see up close, like I felt like I got enough of an idea what was going on
1: from seeing it from
2: that far of a distance from the screen being that small. But, um, the only thing I wanted to really see up close was at the end of the trailer, showed some of what Electro using his powers was going to look like, and I was very curious to see what that's going to end up looking like. His is electric eel powers or
0: whatever?
1: Well, it did show that, too. It uh,
2: um, showed the electric eels, and then it showed him in Times Square uh, using his powers. and They do a really cool thing where he looks like Ultimate Electro, where his eyes are, like, whited out, almost. Okay. But he, I thought he looked really great. Um, especially considering how Electro looks normally in the Spider-Man universe. Sure.
1: Yeah, I I thought the look of the first movie was that was my favorite thing about it by yes. far. I thought yeah, the there's color... a lot of
2: shots of Spider-Man in that movie that just look right out of a comic
1: book. Oh, yeah. The co- the color and the framing, especially the flying through the air stuff, which was done pretty well in the Raimi series, too. Would just It just popped unbelievably in the new movie. That's definitely my favorite thing about it. So
0: Yeah, I mean, it was nice that um, at least it looked like a real person was swinging between buildings. When I always thought yeah. in the Raimi movie, Spider-Man looked like a rubber band or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. I
0: agree. Uh, so that was the one thing that, that at least is the one positive I can give Mark Webb for that, that film. Um, but... Yeah, that that I'll have to check
2: out. That I, I would say look it up, yeah, but uh, I, I I I know Kyle, you're not going to be too much more excited by whatever you see. No, I'm gonna try, um, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in with open mind. I, I swear. All right, so uh, we talked about this a little bit about a few weeks ago, but uh, Harper, have you ever been to Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios? No, I haven't. Are you aware of like what it is though, and what like what's involved I, with everything?
1: Is, is this something similar to like Fright Fest at uh, Six Flags or something? Pretty or is-
2: much, yeah, but it's it's a lot better. Apparently, I've never been, but it's said to be one of the best Halloween events in the country uh, each year. Yes.
1: Sounds like I'd um, love that.
2: Yeah, they do a bunch of different haunted houses and stuff. Um, they're known for doing really good original stuff, but it, they've also become extremely popular since about 2007 for doing a lot of stuff based on movies. Because um, 2007 is when they had the rights to do uh, Freddy, Leatherface, and Jason. So uh, this year, they've already announced Cabin in the Woods, which we kind of discussed a little bit and how we thought it would be a great potential for a walkthrough haunted house. Um, Then they announced The Evil Dead, which we know how Kyle felt about the remake of that (laughs) movie. And the house is going to be based on the Evil Dead remake. But uh, then they announced uh, this week that The Walking Dead is going to be there. Uh, It was there last year, but this year with it being with season three having already ended, they're going to be uh, featuring both The Prison and Woodbury, which uh, I've got to say... As much as I hated Season 3, I think that sounds actually kind of awesome for a haunted house type of experience.
1: That could be really fun.
2: Yeah, does the governor live at the end of this one too?
1: (laughs) I don't know, but uh,
2: he, he could potentially be quite frightening when you're walking in the dark, so...
0: Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. I you know, it's as frightening as uh that actor with an eye patch can really be. I guess. <laughs> but uh uh I mean, it, it I sounds like cool. Kyle here just being like, "Oh yeah, nothing scares me. I'm not going to be scared going <laughs> to." <into this." laughs> you know? I, look, man, we tried to watch that stupid movie Mama the other night, and I can tell you that that's, that's 30 minutes I wish I got back before I'd fallen asleep. <laughs> um, but, anyway, I digress. The, I mean, Halloween Horror Nights is usually pretty good, so, I mean, yep. that sounds like a fun thing. I mean, I'd, I'd go do it. Uh, zombie stuff is fun. Why not? I mean, zombies don't tend to scare me, but I think just the environment,
2: uh, Universal's known for creating really good environments at their Halloween event. So I think the present and the woodbury give them a really good chance to do something kind of different than what's normally done in a haunted house. But, um, anyway, uh... One of the more random news. Did either of you see the uh, remake slash reboot of Dread? Yep.
1: No, I've, I've been dying to see it, and I haven't had the chance. What did you think of it, Kyle? I enjoyed it.
0: Uh, I kind of wish that they had gone somewhere other than the one like enclosed facility they were in, but for something that was clearly quite low budget, they did a very nice job.
2: Right. Um, well, it was just a huge hit when it came out making $13 million. But, uh <laughs> Um, i reading this from the article that it made that much, but it has apparently been a huge hit on Blu-ray. It's one of, it's con- one of the highest-selling bl- Blu-rays of this year. Wow. Um, so a lot of people have responded to it since then, um, which tends to happen with movies like that. Um, and so, 2000 AD, the publishers of the Judge Dredd comic book have decided to say, uh, oh, apparently the filmmakers involved with Dredd envisioned it as being the first part of a trilogy. And so... 2000 AD has started a petition to have a sequel for Dread Made. And when this article was published, which was on the 25th, uh, 10,000 signatures had already been added to that petition to get a signature or to get a sequel made to Dread. So you've seen the movie, Kyle. I haven't seen it. Do you think a sequel would
0: work or do you think it's just a dumb idea? Yeah, of course it would work. I mean, Carl Urban is awesome. And... Uh, you know there's there, the world that they've created is very interesting um I don't we didn't get a chance to see a lot of it, just sort of the general gist of the judges and their mm-hmm. special brand of justice but uh they they set up an interesting little uh type of drug special effect that looks really cool and yeah i mean there's there there's a good base there that could be fleshed out a little further with the gangs and maybe even introducing the concept of judge death and a lot of the stuff that used to come out of 2000 AD when those books were first being made. There's a big mythology there they could pull from. I think a sequel could really do the character even better justice. So what do you think
2: about this idea though, of having the fans sign a petition? It's kind of, it's interesting that it's coming about in this age of like Kickstarter being such a popular platform for more up and coming people. Um, so, do you think this is a good idea to have a petition, or do you think it's really not going to make a splash at all with the studio?
0: I mean, I, most petitions never do. Right. Yeah. I can't remember the last time a petition. I
2: think the it, fact that this one's not coming from a fan, it's coming from the people who actually published Dread, could make a difference. Maybe.
0: Maybe. I mean, <laughs> that's what I'm.
2: Yeah, I'm kind of like, we'll see. I mean, it
0: still only made $13 million at the box office, yep. though. Mm-hmm. So, cool. yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, that's it's fine if a bunch of people want to sign a petition, but it still doesn't mean that a movie is going to be profitable. Maybe if they yeah. did something as like a, you know, Xfinity, you know, streaming kind of deal. Uh, something that went straight to Netflix, or, mm-hmm. or something that people could pay a, a subscription service for, but I, I just I couldn't see it as a theatrical release again. And unfortunately, without it being a theatrical release, there's a good chance that uh, you won't get the big budget special effects extravaganza that you'd probably want in a greater, grander dread film. It's too bad. It was pretty good, but you know, uh, people would rather go see World War Z, I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is getting, which was announced today that it's getting re-released next month in IMAX 3D. I'm gonna blow my brains out. Uh, my, what I put on Twitter was because help us, we need more money. Is what they <laughs> are doing. Um, but anyway, um, it was which it was really weird reading that article because it said World War Z was going to be digitally remastered like it was some movie from the 70s or something. <laughs> but um, anyway, it, I just thought that was interesting to see. Um, we've obviously it's it's a very interesting time we live in with movies that you never thought would get sequels getting sequels made and TV shows you never thought would come back coming back. So it's going to be interesting to see if this is actually another thing that's able to come to light. Um so are either of you fans of the writer Chuck Palahniuk? Sure. Yeah. Okay, uh, are y'all like would you say you're like well versed in his works or have you just read like Fight Club and
0: some of his other stuff?
1: Yeah, I'm pretty casual. I've read Fight Club and I uh, think <laughs> Choke
0: yeah, I, I mean I've I've seen the choke movie and I, I did too. <laughs> yeah I've did too. and I've uh, I've seen Fight Club and read Fight Club <laughs> and I think I read one other book of his um but I can't remember which one it was. It wasn't one of those two though. It was years ago and I don't remember what it was now. I don't know. Anyway so so we're so we're all familiar with Fight Club.
2: Um did anybody here think it deserved a sequel?
1: <laughs> no.
0: It's <laughs> a complete story. <laughs>
2: Well uh, apparently Chuck Palahniuk disagrees with you because uh, there's a Fight club graphic novel in the works from Polinick himself that's going to be set uh, it's a sequel to Fight club set ten years later and he wants to come out wants it to come out by two thousand and fifteen uh, and if that's not a cash grab I don't know what is
1: the the thing that blows my mind about that announcement is when he was talking about it he was saying it was about uh, uh, tyler and and uh, marla living like in a suburb somewhere it was like do you not remember how your own book ended <laughs> like the world was falling to pieces they, they should be living in a cave or something right <laughs> like uh, I, don't uh, I guess
2: not i guess not. Uh, i guess he only
0: remembers how the movie of his book ended right wow
1: i don't get it <laughs>
0: wow yeah i mean it's uh, it, you know if, he, if he's got a story to tell fine you know i i, I, I am willing to give it an opportunity depending upon you know who is who is involved on the art side of things? If some, yes. somebody interesting is attached, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll pick it up. But I wasn't even that big of a Fight Club fan to begin with. Um, you're, not, you're not one of the frat
2: boys that's left on to Fight Club in the past few years. No,
0: man. I watched it when it came <laughs> out, and I thought it. I mean, it's it's a technical little piece of uh, admiration but it's not like a movie that I that really spoke to me in any way shape or form I mean, right V for Vendetta did more for me as a right. as a little revolutionary than uh, Fight Club ever did but I, I don't know Harper did you were you saying you loved it
1: yeah Fight Club's one of my favorite movies oh all right well that, that's I mean that's you feel that
0: way that's okay I, I, I know I'm in the minority when I say it's you know it's okay now, that's
2: about how my reaction was, too. I mean, I, I'm not going to act like it wasn't a bad, or I'm not going to act like it was a bad movie or anything like that. It's just that I didn't have a strong reaction to it, or at least not as strong as some people have. Yeah. But anyway, like it or not, this is going to apparently happen. Um, I'm kind of like you, Kyle. I'm going to wait and see who the artist is. Um, that's what my thoughts were when they announced the uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas graphic novel. I was like, well, that's interesting, but it
0: better have a good artist yeah right right well so harper you you're you're gonna be on the spike club sequel train huh
1: i mean i'll, I'll probably check it out I, I think it's kind of a dumb idea honestly i mean like you said it's it's a it's a standalone story it's and it's a great story from beginning to end i don't really feel like there's that much more to tell it kind of i feel like it almost would take away from it a little bit but as a as a big fan of the of the movie at least i, I might give it a shot
2: all right so um Kyle and I have been talking about giant monsters for the past three weeks with uh, Pacific Rim and then a lot of Comic-Con news. Um, Harper, maybe maybe not necessarily on a Pacific Rim, but what are your kind of thoughts on Godzilla and stuff like that? Were you a big Godzilla fan as a kid, or you still are, or what?
1: I wasn't really as a kid. I knew a little bit about it, but um, I... I'm in the minority, maybe, and that I, I enjoyed Pacific Rim for the most part. Um, right. And that, that got me kind of interested in that genre a little more, and I, I actually went out and got the Criterion of the original Godzilla and watched it and Good. loved it. Um, <laughs> so I've been kind of looking to dig into it some more. And, and as far as the uh, new movie come out, coming out, I'm extremely excited about it, um, mostly because of the, uh, the director involved. It's somebody right. I like a whole lot.
2: Um, well, I don't know how you'd react to this then, since uh, you didn't know a whole, whole lot going on. I don't know how much you know about Godzilla and the universe surrounding him now, but uh, Gareth Edwards, who's directing the Godzilla remake, has said that uh, if he gets the chance to make a sequel, his, his favorite Godzilla movie besides the original is Destroy All Monsters, which is a Godzilla movie that has him fighting pretty much every one of Toho's other
1: monsters.
2: <laughs> And he said he would want to do something like that in a sequel. So what do either of you think about this? Because me personally, if he can pull off Godzilla, the the movie that comes out next year, if he can pull that off well enough, which I have faith that he probably will. And then if he can pull off a movie that has that many monsters in it and so many classic monsters that I have kind of a childhood attachment to, I think it could be just amazing.
1: I I mean, yeah, I I have a lot of faith in the, the next one coming out too that the movie he did a while back, Monsters, was one of my favorite movies to come out that year. Um, so if he can pull that off and have it be a meaningful story, like kind of like the original, but also you know, right, giant monster, big destruction, fun stuff, then I would be totally on board for for something like that with with all, all the all the Toho monsters.
0: Heck yeah, man. Oh. Sign me up for a Mothra movie, please.
1: Hell oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Mothra, Rodan, uh, King Ghidorah. I want to see all of it. <laughs> hey, so wait, Rodan, what is he? He's like a pterodactyl,
2: right? Right, but he flies really fast. So when he flies fast, he knocks things over. <laughs> <laughs>
0: don't they all mm. knock things over well man like he's going <laughs> supersonic speed,
2: so it's not like he runs into anything it's just that the speed creates this force so. oh so okay. it's, it's
0: all unintentional damage with rodan
2: I, I don't know he's a monster it could be both so
0: <laughs> what do we, we, could could we get the uh the son of godzilla too um the, the minia the, the little <laughs> doughboy looking guy that no those <laughs> those <laughs> puff, smoke <laughs> puffs or whatever Oh,
2: now I'm thinking of the Hanna Barbera cartoon of Godzilla, which had Godzuki. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the little. Do, do you remember Godzuki, Kyle? Oh yeah,
0: I, I do remember Godzuki. <laughs> yeah,
2: but that. I, I just, I, I just want to see King Ghidorah. Is all I want to see. Right,
0: wow, he's the vill- I mean, He's the villain of the whole thing, right?
2: I don't remember. I don't know that I've seen Destroy All Monsters of the thing. I've seen a ton of Godzilla movies, but I think that might be one of the ones I never saw.
1: I, I, I think know. we can we can all agree at least that we really hope that Matthew Broderick comes back, right? Yes, oh. I, 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 I love <laughs> him
0: it. and Jean Reno. Yeah, I, lo-
1: yeah.
0: I, I love uh, I love Jean Reno and uh, and uh, Matthew Broderick. I don't love that movie, but I love both of those actors. No,
1: that's so. that's what I'm getting at. That movie was <laughs> such a train wreck.
0: <laughs> yeah, didn't Toho eventually turn uh, American Godzilla into its own villain in that movie too? Isn't he called Zilla or something? Yeah, that's what fans know him as, is Zilla. Mm. That's so funny, man.
2: Well, there already was a Godzilla two thousand, so I guess that's why they'd call him just Zilla.
0: Right, right. Oh wow. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Gidra is the big villain of all these movies. By the way, like he's always the he's never he been the Max good Godzilla. guy. Mothra is sometimes a good guy or good gal. And so is Rodan Rodan, but I I think I think Gidra is always the uh is always the bad guy. But but um you
2: know The only thing with Ghidra though is it's gonna be difficult for them to explain him in
0: a modern context because he
2: was created by aliens to fight Godzilla. So Right, right. And I
0: guess Gamera is that a part of that too, or is that? A- yeah, and I don't know that I can tell you what Gamera looks like, but I know Gamera is part of He's it. He's a turtle. The turtle. That's right. That, yeah, it shoots oh, right, out. You know, he he like goes into his shell and he shoots out like jet flames out of his hole. I'm, I'm sure
2: there's somebody who's <laughs> screaming at us, knowing who all these monsters' names are, but I just have a strong attachment to what they looked like when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, so. no, fair enough. So, um, Kyle kind of edged away from
2: me doing this as a news item, but. Oh well, it, it's I think it's worth discussing because it did come out just right after Comic Con. But what did y'all think of those Days of Future Past posters?
1: I think they're pretty cool. Um, I mean, they're they're kind of a little expected. That's I don't know what else they would have done without, of course, without showing any any kind of plot or uh, right. you know ideas behind the movie. It's just look who we've got in the movie, you know, <laughs> look who's coming back. Um, but I, I think they're fine.
0: Yeah, I, I was digging them, man. I, I thought they were pretty creative design. I've heard some people slam them, though, uh, that they. For seen, what? Uh, well, I've heard some people say they've seen fan made posters that look better, but I'm I, I can't say I saw any of those that might have looked as an improvement.
2: I think it's just because it's so simplistic. I think that's what makes it so great. Yeah, and for once we get an X Men movie teaser poster that doesn't have Wolverine's claws and a giant X on it.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah. True. Sure. I, did you see the fan made one that was Wolverine with the X over his face and he looked exactly the same? Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, I did see that. <laughs> I think I think that was that was like a joke though. I don't think that was an actual poster. Um, but it was pretty awesome. <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see what other posters they come out with because I mean, those are really the only actors that
2: have a younger version of them in that movie because there's not going to be an older mistake and an older Beast and stuff like that, so I really don't know where they're going to go from that in terms of posters. Is that how the X-Men always
0: time travel, though, for you guys that might know more about X-Men? What do you mean? Me meaning Harper, probably. Um, <laughs> I, but what I'm saying is the 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 idea that they travel back into the consciousness of their previous body or their future no. body.
1: No, definitely not.
0: No, it's always them. It's like a Back to the Future type of thing. Okay. That's what's happening in this movie, though, is that... Right. Yeah. That's what I heard. It's like Wolverine's consciousness going into his 70s body. Yeah, and that's what happened in Days of Future Past. The comic book is that Kitty Pride went into her future body. So, I, I was just... Yeah, that's, that's not
2: how... I mean, Days of Future Past is the only exception, but... Uh, like Age of Apocalypse, that's Bishop
0: going back
1: in right, time. Right. That's again. It's mostly Bishop and Cable going back and forth and back and forth all right. the time.
0: Okay, got it. So, but 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 at no point is they're not like going into their their present day body or mass. No, no, normal up. is just them. Yeah. Going. Oh well, Shane, you know more about X Men than I do. Shit, I don't. Nineties X Men. I apparently know nothing about this stuff. Uh, it's just something I was curious about. So, uh, moving
2: on in news, uh, there was one thing that uh, I, feel t- I feel it's worth mentioning, um, and I don't think we, we may or may not want to expand upon what where this could go, but just because it was something we had discussed, when Age of Ultron was announced as the title of Avengers, me and Kyle kind of said, oh, well, f- oh good, we're going to get Hank Pym in Avengers, and then he's probably going to be Ant-Man. And then Joss Whedon comes out a few days later and says, Hank, Hank Pym is not in Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. And uh, Edgar Wright said, we'll see him in Ant-Man, but that does not necessarily mean he is Ant-Man. So... Who's going to create Ultron then? Is it going to be Tony Stark or is it going to be somebody else?
1: That's pretty bizarre. I hadn't heard that he he'd said that Hank Pym was not going to be in it. That's yeah. sort of like – that makes no sense almost.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's very odd.
1: <laughs> um, I guess I
0: can see the benefit of not introducing another scientist that could show up, Tony and Bruce – you need true. more science bros. <laughs> I mean, you know, not that I don't mind having another great Avengers character. I like Hank Pym as a character. I think he's fairly right. rich in terms of uh, his history and the with the team. But, I mean, to introduce, like, a whole other scientist that invents this thing out of nowhere, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like – there, there would be a lot of introducing to have to do. So you think Tony Stark inventing Ultron is going to be more natural? Probably, and it also probably leave, leaves, like, a gap – for uh there not being another iron man movie so maybe maybe it uh you know alienates tony from the team or something i don't know It's possible because i mean they're only going to have him for two movies so it's iron avengers 2 and avengers 3 so they they need to have that sort of uh giant scale gap between the movies because we don't even know when avengers 3 is coming out so i imagine that is probably what's gonna happen
2: (laughs) i i think i'd agree with you so um the last bit of news here, and it's oh, it's so stupid to have to talk about, but I think we should talk about it because it is so stupid. Um, David Goyer, if you, if you were just starting to think he might be a good writer, he comes out and tells us what the title of the Man of Steel sequel was probably going to be. He says he's trying to decide between two titles, and um, neither of them sound too appealing, uh, and both of them have had domain names registered by WB. It's either going to be called Batman vs. Superman or <laughs> Superman vs. Batman.
1: Oh, God. Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, we all know Versus movies have done real well over the past 10 years Freddy vs. Jason and Alien vs. Predator. So, um, can, why not have another Versus movie?
1: There are so <laughs> many great titles historically yeah. for stories with Batman and Superman. There's World's Finest. There's, I mean, you could just go Superman, Batman. That's even better than the Versus. Like, yeah. Ugh.
2: Yikes! Yeah, because the verse already
0: implies we're going to get a hero versus hero story. I do not. And I don't
1: like I, that.
0: No. Well, okay. I'm sick of that. So let's talk about this Batman versus Superman thing. I mean, there's historical context for that. Um, in like what 2002, 2003, they were trying to get um, Wolfgang Peterson to put together the Batman versus Superman movie, and Andrew Kevin Walker wrote that script. That it was. It was called literally Batman versus Superman and that Just was take out the verses I, I, I know i know i know i <laughs> know what you're saying but that was during that time period that freddy versus jason had come out and yep, alien right. versus predator was coming out those
1: those all are, great movies
0: yeah, well <laughs> I, I had fun with freddy versus jason mind you. i had fun with parts of it too yeah i, I mean let's let's play a little credit here but <laughs> um I mean, that, neither are good but i had fun watching them um. So. Oh wait, hold on. Stop the presses. Kyle Pinion had fun watching a movie. I did. <laughs> I can't believe it, right? I know. It, at least my memories of seeing that movie were quite fun. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, that. Th- so they were trying to get on that train for quite some time, and now that they're back in this area of like, oh, what do we want to do with this? Oh, we still have this Batman versus Superman <laughs> idea that we've been wanting to put out for ten years. So I'm not shocked. That 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 was the title they, that they would go for. I'm just a little disappointed that they're going that direction now when it's a decade too late. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like it's just it's out of date now. I mean, I wouldn't call the movie World's Finest either because that's I think that's meaningless to people unless uh, you call it Superman Batman World's Finest. Right. But uh, otherwise, I don't know what you'd call it. Just Superman, Batman is fine. Yeah, Batman,
2: Superman is a very simple and to the point title.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. It's been the title of that men, book
0: for a long time.
1: How about Men of Tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs>
2: i i mean right. is batman really the man of tomorrow that was the
1: thing <laughs> no
0: dark knight of steel that's the one i saw. yeah oh, <laughs>
1: hell yeah
0: <laughs> I, I i but the thing is i think it would be a little too too tied into the nolan stuff to go for the na- a dumb name like that anyway um so i don't i don't know man i mean the versus aspect bothers me but stupid title is not you know I mean, it, look, X Two, X Men United was probably the dumbest. Yeah,
2: title. I remember even. Yeah, I remember even as a kid being like, I really hope they don't call that movie that.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, So I mean, it's the worst title for a comic book movie ever, and yet the movie is still paled as one of the best of its genre. <laughs> so, yeah I, I I don't know. I, I can I can live with a bad title. I'm I'm starting to think Man of Steel Two is a better option though. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. What we'll see if there's enough pushback. I mean, they do listen to nerds over the internet, you know. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> they say they do. Yeah, sure, sure. But um, yeah, is that is that all for news? Yeah, that's all I got. Sweet. Okay, comics. Let's talk about them. And we've been ignoring them a little bit. We have been. It's been a while uh, since we talked about comics with all these movie things and Comic Con and everything else. So let's just sort of focus on this past week if we can, I would love if you guys could pick out for me your two reads of the week, uh, individually, Shane, let's start with you, buddy. I was going to say, let's start with the guests. All right, so... fine. Let's start with the guest Harper. <laughs> Shane, You're skipped Harper.
1: Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, my, my first pick, the thing I probably liked the most, I have a feeling it's probably going to be something you might mention. Kyle was, uh, mind management was okay, utterly cool. fantastic. Clear. Rock and roll. <laughs> um, this was it kind of started a new arc, um, so we're kind of they've built up a lot of stuff, and now they're kind of shifting a little bit and going somewhere else with it, which is cool. Um, and it was just it was I had so much fun reading it. it, it they, with this issue, they focused on this kind of suburban, really creepy, dark um, kind of sleeper agent story. So we've got we've got these kind of uh, suburban couples that are kind of gossiping about each other it's mostly kind of innocent and in then it progressively gets really really dark and very creepy and i just i love i i thought it was fantastic and the the cover and with the uh the cover was like a a, a women's magazine about you know <laughs> that would normally be about how to do your hair or whatever but it's this woman with a machine gun and it's you know it's like how to how to keep your yard protected from your you know super spy neighbors or whatever and and the, the uh, fake ads on the back, it was from literally from, uh, sounds silly, but from the cover to the back cover was, I loved it to death. It was fantastic. Oh man, that
2: sounds like something that's going to be really lost in transition to a trade then. Uh, I,
1: think, I think mind management is one of the ones that really benefits from reading in, in singles because of all that kind of added extra juicy bits to it. The, the fake ads and the Interesting stuff like that. I love that about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's not to say you shouldn't read it and trade, though, if that's the only right. way you can yeah. read it. I mean, it, unfortunately, it's a book that go, that they don't reprint. So mm-hmm. if it's when it's sold out, it's sold out. So, um, and the, and the hardcovers are gorgeous. I have, yeah, I, they I, are. I went and rebought the first hardcover just to, one, to have Matt Kent sign it, but two, um, just because it looks good on the shelf, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I, I will tell you, Harper, I have not read that book yet. <laughs> Mm. so it's still <laughs> you'll, you'll love it it's still sitting next to my bed to be read it's the next one um so i'm very excited about it and i will tell you that's my that's like my favorite series right now ever so yeah. i'm I, why i haven't read it it's just i haven't been in the mindset to be able to do it but but yeah that that's a very good picture shane shane okay
2: um so justice league dark no i'm just kidding. Um, wah,
0: wah, wah,
2: wah, wah. <laughs> Uh, I'll preface the discussion real quick, though, by saying that I was able to check out the bunch of trades that I had bought really cheap, um, as Kyle saw, and I imagine he was beaming with pride when I said that I thought Manhattan Projects was the best that I read out of the three yeah. trades that I bought. Um, but anyway, um, I think my book of the week was, uh, another indie. Mine was Lazarus, uh, Mine was my other number bit. two. Um... I thought it did a really good job of expanding upon these characters. It didn't really expand much upon the world, but it kind of showed how these characters interact. And there was some soap opera-ish dialogue between them, but then there are these veiled threats of incest and stuff like that. So it totally still keeps it on its own kind of track. And then there's all these hints that maybe Forever doesn't know something about herself. And maybe there's something we have to learn about her too. And then it ends on this really kind of wild cliffhanger. So I think it's a series that, I mean, it's only two issues in, but I think it's still hitting, hitting its stride so far. It's, it was able to match the level of the first issue.
1: Yeah. I I love it too. I'm, I'm I'm pretty big, uh, Rucka fan to begin with, but, um, this is just hitting a lot of the right points for me. It's, it's, it's mysterious, but not, not so much that it's kind of obnoxiously. So, and, uh, built a really really it's a really kind of sci-fi world but it's as crazy as it is it's pretty believable honestly um and he taught the 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 back matter of the book is always really interesting where he kind of talks about his new scientific uh discoveries that make his book seem very tame um and and the art is gorgeous it's totally gorgeous really Really, really good
0: I uh, I also have not read that yet <laughs> this week. Is it right under ma- mind management? It is. It's it's the second read that I need to dig into. Uh I've I've just been so busy with this writing project that I've been in the middle of that uh it's been hard for me to sit down and read my comics. So that's another one that I have not yet read. But uh, I, I love that first issue. But I have the second one right there, so I'm going to crack it open here relatively soon. I love Rucka, though. I mean, Kent and Rucka are two of my favorite writers, period. So it's it's uh, highly, highly recommendable to for anybody to read either of those. I, I will say that right now without having read either of the latest issues. <laughs> I know. I know they're great. I know they are. Okay? Um... Now, for my pick of the week. Now I have like a whole slew of things that I could just dig into. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with the Hawkeye annual. And another good one. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I-, I was going to say Batman Superman number 2.
2: That's what I thought you were going to
0: do. Yeah, I wasn't sure, man. I was torn, but if I had to pick one, I'm going to say Hawkeye because it's just that creative and that awesome. And I'll try to avoid spoilers too much, Shane, because you'll eventually – Yes,
2: please, because I just caught up on that pizza
0: dog issue. It was the last thing I read. <laughs> so. Um, so, the, so you read the pizza dog issue, so you saw that Kate was walking out and right. leaving. So I will just say this isn't really a spoiler, but she's heading to L.A., And that was implied at the end of that issue. So So this is an entire issue that not only gives you – the first couple pages, they give you, like, the actual human side of that conversation between her and Clint and why she she leaves. And then they turn around and they give you her first adventure trying to make her own way out in L.A. And she runs afoul of – was it Madam Mask? Yeah. That's the villain, yeah. So she runs afoul of her yet again, and I guess Madam Mask is now going to be her – Enemy uh, going forward over in California, and I think if I remember right, the way they were going to do this was they were going to have like an issue for Clint, then an issue for Kate, an issue for Clint, an issue for Kate, sort of back and forth. Um, so it's so Clint will be having to deal with all the clown stuff then. Yeah, he's going to be dealing with all of the uh, bro seriously bro kind of guys. It's tracksuit (laughs) Dracula's and um i think i think kate's dealing with all like the madam mask hydra kind of whatever the hell she is stuff and uh i think that's really cool and i think they're also dividing it so david david aja is doing all the clint stuff and javier polito maybe taking <laughs> over the kate stuff if i'm right javier oh, polito does the whole annual and it's beautiful it's so oh, nice yeah
2: i'd uh there's some things in the writing in that first trade that I had some problems with. Cause I felt like the first three issues in particular had the exact same plot structure and it was a little grating for me, but it was that second trade where I really got into it. And I think really when this series eventually comes to an end, um, which I mean, that could be a hundred issues from now. Um, I think what it's going to be really remembered for is it's art is just stunning. And the panel layouts are just magnificent.
1: Yeah. I mean that that's, the writing is fantastic on it for most of the time, but the art is totally what makes it stand out.
0: Yeah. I, 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 when I went back and I've read some of those Immortal Iron Fist books that Fraction did with uh, David Aja and Ed Brubaker, I was surprised at how, I mean, it's still a good story, but the art is actually not as good and interesting <laughs> as what's in Hawkeye. And I feel like Aja like changed his whole, his, his, his delivery in terms of his penciling style a little bit to sort of match up with this more indie aesthetic For um, for Hawkeye, whereas his Iron Fist work was a little more Marvel Knights specific, more urban gritty stuff, Mm -hmm. and uh, that makes me appreciate Hawkeye a lot more. Um, I will also say it's nice to see a comic book that attracts women to it, which is kind of rare in this business.
2: It's nice that a Marvel comic's doing that, and somebody that's big. Because I mean, I know I've been pushing Vertigo doing Fairest, but I mean, nobody's really going to grab onto that if they haven't been reading Fables. So.
1: Yeah,
0: I mean, when Harper and I were at Heroes Con, I mean, that that was... Matt Fraction's panel for Hawkeye was the most filled with women I've ever seen. A comic
1: panel? Yes. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Well... I'm sure some of those Fables panels get filled with women. So. Well, sure, sure. It's a largely female fan base with that comic. I can imagine. I could imagine. So those are our reads of the week. Uh, Mind Management, Lazarus, and Hawkeye Annual. Uh, feel free to check those out if they're still available at your comic store. It's also possible you might have to do it digitally, but uh, you yeah, know there are worse things to do, I guess. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I take five minutes, by the way? I want to just say um, I had the opportunity to watch The Flashpoint Paradox – on. No spoilers, please. Even though I know how Flashpoint yeah. ends.
2: <laughs> no, yeah, same here.
0: There will be no spoilers, I promise you. I mean, it, I will just say, it might be my favorite of the DC animated.
2: Wow. That's a pretty high compliment from you. I mean, for me, it would almost be nothing to say that, but that's pretty high praise from you. I was shocked.
0: Adam? I was absolutely shocked. Like, I, I, just on a whim, Hannah and I uh, were like, well, let's download it and watch it off the PlayStation Network. I mean, it's it's available a week early digitally. So we, we purchased it. And we put it on, and I was swept up into that story. I mean, it's it's certainly very violent, uh, probably more so even that's in the comics. I don't know if that's good or bad, really. It, to an extent, it almost might be gratuitous. And that might be the one <laughs> thing that I would say is a little bit of a detraction against it. But otherwise, I mean, it's so just interesting to see that story streamlined and, and just the essential parts that I felt like were missing in the original comic – they added in a little bit of the tie-in stuff that flesh it out oh, so that's much good. better, and that's really cool. it's just really well done. I mean, I like I've, I've expressed some disappointment in the pacing of some of these, in uh, <clears throat> some of these, in some of these uh, DC original movies, particularly the most recent ones. But I, I thought this one was just just knocking it out of the park. And when I got done watching it, and Hannah turns to me and says, "That was really, really good." Uh, And she's not even a comics fan. I was like, man, that that somebody nailed something here in the screenwriting side of things. Wow.
2: Um, I have one question about it. Um, If you can answer it without spoiling how they handle the story, does it end in a way that implies they're doing the new 52 justice league next? Yes.
1: Okay. Hmm. This was, uh, this is the one I was the least excited about. I've, I get them all, um, for better or for worse. Uh, mm-hmm. and this one, I mean, I thought Flashpoint was okay, but I guess I could see having it distilled down to the actual story and not as a vehicle to restart the comics <laughs> universe could, it could be a much more interesting story. Cause when we're all reading it as comics, right. uh, you know, no matter what the story is, we're all just like, okay, how is this going to turn into the new 52 <laughs> that we've heard about, you know?
0: Yeah, and it, it, it that was sort of like a square peg round hole situation because I feel like they changed courses midstream on Flashpoint in the comics. Yeah, totally. But in this film, I mean, it, it's not even a thing you think about until it's just sort right. of right there in your face. But um, I, I just thought it was really, really well written. Um, I was surprised at – even though some things were cut down more than I would have liked in certain areas – uh, there's one particular subplot I wish they, they could have done more justice to. Um, it's my favorite subplot in that entire event. Oh,
2: so it's Batman. Uh, yeah.
0: But, I mean, that's the only thing that gets, I mean, it gets hinted towards, but it doesn't necessarily show up a lot. Uh, I think I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm then. talking about. Um, so, but beyond that, I mean, the Aquaman stuff, the Wonder Woman stuff, I mean, it's all there, and it's all... There. Is Grodd and, are Grodd and Abin-sur there too? No. Oh, okay. No. I mean they are <laughs> I'm telling you, it's it's the essential points of that story. But it's also a little longer than their standard ones. I think it's more like ninety I think it's like ninety minutes. So I mean, it's like well, that's about how long they normally are.
1: No, they're mostly seventy. Usually like yeah, seventy or oh, okay. seventy five.
0: Well I'm
2: well, okay. Well then you have a Dark Knight Returns, which if you put it together is about yeah. two hours.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, and I mean I I was and I hated that movie. So I liked it. I mean, I mean, I don't hate's too strong, but I was not a fan of it. Like it was, it was very hollow for me. But mm-hmm. this just worked. I don't know, man. And it's weird. I'm not the biggest Jeff Johns fan either, so it's just it's strange for me to be able to say all this about this. But I just wanted to say that because it's coming out Tuesday in in physical copy form. Feel free
2: to check uh, it, it out. I think Now I'm going to have to go out and get it because yeah, I was first kind of
0: being like, oh, I can wait.
2: And now I, I kind of have to see it. <laughs>
0: I will say the designs of the characters take a minute to get used to. Um, they're, mm. they're very much in that realm of Young Justice, but a little more exaggerated. Um, you may have seen some. Did you see?
2: Uh, did you see Justice League Doom? Because those were pretty similar to Young
0: Justice. Yeah it's it's not yeah. far, it's not far from Justice League Doom's character designs. Okay, I'll be fine with
2: it. Then. Yeah,
0: um, they they have a little bit of a. The guys look a little overly muscular, maybe, uh, mm. particularly in their neck area. <laughs> but, um, like Aquaman looks a little weird, but once you once you just get used to it and get sucked up into that world, it's it's really good. And it's just nice to have a cartoon that focuses on the Flash. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, that's, that's cool. I mean, they're all they all focus on Batman and Superman so damn much, or and then Green Lantern to another extent. That it's nice to have something that's like Flash based the entire time. Um, or at least re- very rooted in his backstory. Because Hannah, for example, didn't know anything about the Flash and uh, how he got his powers, or about his mother being murdered and all this stuff. So it's uh, it's very good. I would advise any of the listeners to check it out if they, even if they're feeling a little trepidatious about it because they didn't like the uh, the uh, event storyline. It's far better than that. That's for sure. Um, so. Looking forward into that week. I think this is a good transition into uh, comics this week, television, movies, whatever. Harper, what are you looking forward to the most this week?
1: Um, I'd have to say I'm I'm looking forward to uh, Batman Inc. A, a good bit. Yes, sir. Um, the final issue coming out. So that, that that story's been a little hit or miss lately, but overall I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he finishes it out.
0: You, you and me both, man. I'm, I'm, I'm so stoked for that final issue that I'm gonna go back and reread this entire like Grant Morrison Batman epic. And
1: I would love to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's gonna be my plan. Well, I rebought them all in uh, softcover form, so I could put them on my shelf. Um, other than the Batman Inc. side of things, I haven't rebought those, but uh, everything else I've gotten trade. So I'm gonna like sit down and. Dive into it all over again, and you know have it be able to finish it. You know it's pretty it's yeah. pretty awesome. Um, do you think it, it lost something in the new fifty two transition?
1: Definitely, <laughs> yeah. I I mean I, there were parts of it that I like, but I, I almost feel like they're two different stories. Um, like the 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 stuff pre new fifty two was very much about building the 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 company or you know the the team and and about uh, um Leviathan and then. New 52, it instantly shifted gears into a Talia Ghoul story, which I know was kind of always meant to be, but it felt like a big shift to me. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed it too, but it felt very different to me.
0: One day, Shane, I'm going to get you into this Grant Morrison <laughs> Batman stuff, and you're going to love uh, it. I hope it's
1: better than his action comics. So. Aww, mm-hmm. come I'm, on. I'm, I'm with you I will say
2: that I, did not, I have not gone back and read his action comics in one yeah. sitting. Uh, but reading that Action Comics run, that Action Comics run monthly was just a, a chore.
1: I totally agree. I, I thought the first couple issues were utterly fantastic. That was the best thing coming out of the New Fifty Two for the first two issues or so, and then it became such a total train wreck to me. I mean, maybe rereading it—that's what I keep hearing. Not as much TV. as it became oh. after Morrison left, well, but right. that's another story. But yeah, yeah. I, I had no idea what was going on for the last ten issues of his run. Wow. I was really struggling you
0: guys are breaking my heart y'all need to open up your minds to vindictivics a little bit and enter the fifth dimension or
1: what dude uh uh mixez is one of my favorite characters of all time and i but until he showed up i was i mean when even when he showed up i i was still just a little a little lost so i don't know
0: Ah, fair enough fine all right uh, now that my heart's broken Shane uh, what, what are you looking forward to the most this week man
2: um I guess I'll just keep it on the DC side of things um, it's a uh, it's another five week or a five Wednesday month so uh, do you know what that means on the DC side of things for the fifth week
0: annuals nothing
2: so we got two this week that i'm getting uh we have batman which is going to be a zero year some kind of tie-in and then there's the flash which is uh it's a little bit annoying with the flash because just this past week we had that really solid reverse flash issue and then all of a sudden now we get to for now we get to have an annual that's going to just tell us randomly about the first time the flash met the green lantern which should be fun in theory but it's just just a little bit annoying because i'm really getting into this reverse flash story
0: right on i mean but it, it, it is really good uh manipul art though right i mean yeah so that's that's kind of cool i'd like to see him draw green lantern yeah I, 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 I i'd be into it i mean i don't know if i want to pay 4.99 for the book but
1: yeah i'll, I'll get the batman one I've, i kind of dropped off the flash so
0: well, the, ba- <laughs> the Batman one's not necessarily written by Snyder, though, is it? It's, like, written by... I think, I it think it's, like, a bunch of people,
1: yeah. Oh, is it?
0: Yeah, it's written by, like, Margaret Bennett or whatever, another one of his yeah. students. Huh. Yeah. I-
1: I'm, I'm really into the uh, Zero Year story, though. It's shaking up to be very interesting, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that, too, I have to say.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I, I'm I'm still loving everything Snyder's doing. Um, I guess on my side of things, you know what I'm actually most excited about is tomorrow I get to download Martian Manhunter for Injustice, the video game. They just <laughs> they just added him, and uh, or he will be added tomorrow. And you know they've added a number of different characters since the game came out. I mean they added um, Lobo, Batgirl, um, Zod. For, you know right around the time the movie came out and Scorpion although he was not a uh, man of steel version of Zod no no he was he was an injustice version of Zod who basically resembles you know their I, some classic version I guess more like the Jeff Johns type Zod I guess. But uh Martian Manhunter is the first one that they added due to popular acclaim. You know, people were <laughs> people were begging for Martian Manhunter. And so not only have they added Martian Manhunter, but they're also uh they, he's being voiced by Carl Lumbly from the Justice League cartoon. So, oh wow. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. Um not only that, but in the video that they debuted mm-hmm. him with, he was fighting Jon Stewart Green Lantern. And so they have, like, these special skins that change the voices of the characters. And so they actually have the voice actor, Phil Lamar, doing the voice of John Stewart. That's awesome. I know. I'm super excited about this, and I'm hoping that skin comes with my download. I'm not sure when that skin is coming out, but um, I'm looking forward to both of those. It's probably the most of anything, uh, and I mainly say that because Harper stole my idea. So, um, <laughs> yes, uh, I'm looking forward to playing as John Jones. As You're not Jones. excited for Two Guns
2: this weekend, or The Smurfs too? Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: Dude, I'm not going to the movie theater this weekend. I'm not either. I mean, I, I, Wednesday I'm going to see The Spectacular now, but that's pretty much all I'm doing.
1: Yeah, that that was my thing. That looks kind of interesting, but the rest is awful.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's some good movies at Midtown this weekend, but <laughs> other than that, my... Pff, my interest is just out <laughs> as far as like mainstream releases go sorry uh i'm not interested in smurfs too <laughs> no i'm not offended in the least so. yeah well i guess we're gonna call it this is about at the uh the finishing mark for us but uh guys i look forward to to doing it again sometime soon and uh you guys have a great rest of your week thank you so much for joining us harper
1: no problem thanks for having me of course man of course
0: shane talk to you soon buddy